birthday, Edgar Poe. Born the 19th of January, 1809. We're here to celebrate his birthday with a reading of a few of his poems. You probably know him more as a short story writer or maybe as a long story writer. And of course his poem, The Raven. Read those when you can, if you can. And today, listen to my friend Ken Grout read some of his very early poetry that he started writing at the age of about 15, first published when he was 18. And let's begin with, Ken, what are you going to start with? The Happiest Day. Excellent. Okay. The Happiest Day. The happiest hour my seared and blighted heart hath known. The highest hope of pride and power I feel hath flown. Of power, said I, yes, such I ween. But they have vanished long, alas. The visions of my youth have been, but let them pass. And pride, what have I now with thee? Another brow may even inherit the venom thou hast poured on me. Be still, my spirit. The happiest day, the happiest hour mine eyes shall see, have ever seen. The brightest glance of pride and power I feel have been. But were that hope of pride and power now offered with the pain even then I felt, that brightest hour I would not live again. For on its wing was dark alloy, and as it fluttered fell an essence powerful to destroy a soul that knew it well. The happiest day. That happened a long time ago for our friend Mr. Poe. Oh, gosh. He's already getting into my soul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He can do that. Yes. Uh, the second poem is was, again, an early poem. This was from 1829, and I suppose he must have been about, what, uh, I guess 20? About 20, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, and this one is about, actually, uh, they, are, they think, I, I suppose experts think, that it may refer to a woman named Elmira Royster. And she was a childhood hmm. sweetheart of his. Um, and he was, I suppose, maybe was hoping to marry her, uh, but the, her parents disapproved of the match and got her married quickly to a much older, much wealthier man. And Elmira, I hope you had a happy life. <laughs> and let's hear what Edgar has to say about this. Song. I saw thee on thy bridal day, when a burning blush came o'er thee. Though happiness around thee lay, the world all love before thee, and in thine eye a kindling light, whatever it may be. 
was all on earth my fettered sight of loveliness could see. That blush, perhaps, was made in shame, as such it well may pass, though its glow hath raised a fiercer flame in the breast of him, alas, who saw thee on that bridal day when that deep plush would come o'er thee, though happiness around thee lay, the world all love before thee. Yes. That's the bridal day for Elmira. Okay, uh, the next poem is called Romance, and it's interesting because this romance is between or among, how do you say it, mm. with Poe and his writing, really. It, re it really is. It really is. This is, this is yes, between Poe and his writing. This is their own romance. What does he say about it? Romance. Romance who loves to nod and sing with drowsy head and folded wing among the green leaves as they shake far down within some shadowy lake. To me, a painted paroquet hath been a most familiar bird, taught me my alphabet to say, to lisp my very earliest word. While in the wild wood I did lie, a child with a most knowing eye. Of late, eternal condor years, so shake the very heaven on high. With tumult as they thunder by, I have no time for idle cares through gazing on the unquiet sky. And when an hour with calmer wings its down upon thy spirit flings, that little time with lyre and rhyme to while away forbidden things, my heart would feel to be a crime unless it trembled with the strings. I do like that line, to lisp my very earliest word. It's lovely. Well, in the wild wood I did lie. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, it's such a sweet image of just kind of lying there in the wood and imagining these mm -hmm. fabulous words and There's something language. really innocent about it. That's right. And Absolutely. then he gets so harsh. Well, he, he does kind of turn, doesn't he? The condor comes in and yes. things get a little dark. That's right. And he just is relentless with himself. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have no time for anything else. Right. He's very, he's, he sets a very high bar. Yes. Yes, he does. And what's next? This is called To Helen. Helen, thy beauty is to me like those Nicene barks of yore that gently o'er a perfumed sea the weary wayworn wanderer bore to his own native shore. On desperate seas, long wont to roam, 
thy hyacinth hair, thy classic face, thy naiad airs have brought me home to the glory that was Greece and the grandeur that was Rome. Lo, in yon brilliant window niche, how statue-like I see thee stand, the agate lamp within thy hand, ah, psyche, from the regions which are holy land. Now that's a young man in love. In love indeed. In love indeed. And I love how he describes himself as the weary, wayworn wanderer. Such, such beautiful phrasing, isn't it? It is. It really is. Yes. And we decided that this is the lightest of his poems. The yes. The most... Upbeat. Upbeat. I, don't, I was going to say optimistic, but I think upbeat is a better term. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. And this one is entitled Israfel. And I should say, I say, this is a quote, I'm, it's not my words, but, and the Israfel is the angel Israfel. Um, we, uh, in English, know him as uh, Raphael. And he, and he, it says his heartstrings are a lute, and he has the sweetest voice of all God's creatures. Israfel. In heaven, a spirit doth dwell, whose heartstrings are a lute. None sings so wildly well as the angel Israfel, and the giddy stars, so legends tell. Ceasing their hymns, attend the spell of his voice, all mute. Tottering above, in her highest noon, the enamored moon blushes with love, while to listen, the red leaven with the rapid pleiads even, which were seven, pauses in heaven. And they say, the starry choir and the other listening things, that Israfeli's fire is owing to that lyre by which he sits and sings the trembling living wire of those unusual strings. But the skies that angel trod, where deep thoughts are a duty, where love's a grown-up god, where the hoary glances are imbued with all the beauty which we worship in a star. Therefore, thou art not wrong, Israfeli, who despisest an unimpassioned song. To thee the laurels belong, best bard, because the wisest Merrily live and long. The ecstasies above with thy burning measure suit, thy grief, thy joy, thy hate, thy love with the fervor of thy lute. Well may the stars be mute. Yes, heaven is thine, but this is a world of sweets and sours. Our flowers are merely flowers. And the shadow of thy perfect bliss is the sunshine of ours. If I could dwell where Israfel hath dwelt, and he where I, he might not sing so wildly well a mortal melody, while a bolder note than this might swell from my lyre within the sky. Ah, oh, 
he has such hopes of <laughs> becoming this perfect writer. He's mm -hmm. just, oh my gosh, he has such a deep love for his art. Indeed. Indeed. I indeed. mean, it's it's almost as I mean, it's as passionate as when he talks about the love he has for someone. Absolutely. It's so it's it's yeah, it's exciting. It's so exciting it's, to listen to. It's very exciting, and he really devoted himself to his writing. So it was um, it was not something that that he sort of took lightly. He was very invested in it. Yes. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah. I know. And then again, we're back to how he, the, the passion and the love that he has for a person mm -hmm. who unfortunately is in paradise. Uh, and oh my gosh, again, uh, that loss, uh, you know, that love and that loss, that romantic notion of... Um, very profound. Mm, yes. This is to one in paradise. Thou wast all that to me, love, for which my soul did pine, a green isle in the sea, love, a fountain and a shrine, all wreathed with fairy fruits and flowers, and all the flowers were mine. Ah, dream too bright to last, ah, starry hope, that didst arise but to be overcast, a voice from out the future cries, On, on, but o'er the past, dim gulf my spirit hovering lies mute, motionless, aghast, for alas, alas, with me the light of life is o'er, no more, no more. No more. Such language holds the solemn sea to the sands upon the shore. Shall bloom the thunder-blasted tree or the stricken eagle soar. And all my days are trances, and all my nightly dreams are where thy dark eye glances and where thy footstep gleams. In what ethereal dances by what eternal streams oh my goodness I mean he's just so raw absolutely he just I mean and I think even in his short stories and in in his writing he just brings you in so intimately with any character that he's, you know, t writing about, that you are just so in it. And I think that's what make, especially his horror stories and his gothic novels, yes. that it makes it so real to you because he just pulls you right inside mm -hmm. of him. It, he doesn't fool around. Doesn't at all. It's he, not pretty at all. No, it's, and he puts you right in the middle. That's exactly right. Yes, yes, yes. And this last poem, Ken, that you're reading is about his wife who died at a very young age of tuberculosis. She was ill with it, I think, the last five years of her life. And, uh, and he never, ever got over uh, her death. And 
in a sense, went a bit mad. I, he always, you know, suffered um, with mental illness. Uh, well, not suffered with mental illness, but he always had difficulties with dealing right. with life. And, right. uh, and this is for his wife. Mm -hmm. This is Annabelle Lee. It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea, that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabelle Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabelle Lee with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago, in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling my beautiful Annabel Lee, so that her high-born kinsmen came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulcher in this kingdom by the sea. The angels not half so happy in heaven went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabel Lee. But our love it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we. And neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabel Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And so all the night tide I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride, in her sepulchre there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. Thanks for listening. Stop by again.